Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of Tale of Eight Sports with Kevin Taylor coming to you from the capital city, of course, my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, the capital of Georgia as well as the Olympic City of 1996, home of the Atlanta Braves, Falcons, Hawks, and of course, the WNBA's Atlanta Dream. All right, it's another exciting edition of the program, like I told you, where we talk sports from Atlanta and around the country. So get back for the next few minutes. We're going to be talking, of course, Atlanta Falcons football, UGA football, Georgia State football. You see a pattern here, Georgia Tech football. (laughs) And we're going to talk a little golf as well with the upcoming PGA Tour Championship. Now, if you'd like to reach out to me anytime, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, and even Instagram at Kevin Taylor 98. One more time, that's Kevin Taylor 98. All right, well, let's hurry on, hurry on and get into the program, shall we? So this past week, a lot of furor was in the city of Atlanta because the Atlanta Falcons did not live up to expectations in last week's game, but their season opener inside the Georgia Dome against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got down early, 31-13, and wind up losing 31-24 to the Buccaneers. The Falcons started the season, of course, 0-1. The Buccaneers actually are the only team in the NFC South to have a win. Who would have thought that? Carolina, the Saints, and the Falcons all lost their opening week's games. And uh, Tampa Bay, I I give them credit. They've improved. I said that going into the season. But I did not think they were going to be improved that much. Uh, to come into Atlanta and beat the home team. A lot of that, I feel, was coaching. Dirk Cutter, of course, knew some of the players that were still on the Falcons roster from when he was offensive coordinator in Atlanta. So did Mike Smith. So, of course, obviously, you knew some of the players' strengths and you knew some of their weaknesses. And, of course, a big weakness that we saw in the Falcons and has been this way for years has been their inability to rush the passer. Jameis Winston was able to create plays. He was able to throw explosive plays, and he looked very good and comfortable in the offensive scheme. The Falcons gave up numerous big plays, and you're going to hear comments from Dan Quinn in just a moment about what he felt went wrong in last Sunday's game. But we're not going to really dwell on what went wrong. We already, if you saw the game, you know what happened. You know what went wrong if you're a Falcons fan. If you're a Falcon fan, you know that the Falcons could not rush the passer. Uh, they really didn't run the ball effectively. But at the same time, in my opinion, they got predictable. Uh, a lot of it could have been what the defense gave them, but at the same time, you're running backs. You really did not run the ball that much. A lot of it could be coaching. A lot of it could be because they got down early, like I said, 31-13 at one point. So you pretty much had to come out and throw the football. But at the same time, throwing to Tevin Coleman on basically check downs on almost every pass, mm, why not open it up? That's why you brought in Mohamed Sanu. You, of course, have a deep threat with Julio Jones. Julio has been hampered by an ankle injury, true enough. But at the same time, you've got guys like Justin Hardy who are trying to make an impact in the receiving core. You've got a solid tight end in Jacob Tammy. So just open up the passing game. I'm not the offensive coordinator, so what do I know, right? But at the same time, the Falcons come out with a loss. 
to open up the season. They go out to Oakland for week two, and we're going to preview that in one moment. But let's get into the comments from head coach Dan Quinn, starting with what he feels happened last Sunday and what he saw on the sidelines. We had some critical penalties uh, offensively in the red zone that certainly hurt some drives there. And then defensively, uh, some of the fouls that we had led, uh, I believe, to 17 points. So uh, that part for sure was not up to our standard. Then defensively, uh, we've certainly got to be better. Uh, Allowing 31 points, uh, we were only able to get one takeaway in the game and then to allow eight explosive plays, three of which were scores. uh, That's not acceptable. And uh, so we spent a lot of time on that today with the D. Uh, past that, there were a lot of good things that I saw. I thought uh, offensively, they did an excellent job with the ball. They had a real conscious thing. We're very mindful of it. Uh, it was hard to get. They were going after it, um, but they were not able to. Um, I saw some improvement defensively on third down, uh, with the exception of the penalties. You, you felt the speed. You, you saw some of the matchups in that way for sure. Uh, there were some explosive plays on offense. And uh, I thought the running backs were certainly a big factor in that, especially in the past game. I thought Matt did a nice job. I think he was, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood 27 of 39. We counted three drops as well. So I thought uh, for his game, he was really on point and did a good job. So uh, lots of things for us to clean up as we get ready to change the page today for Oakland. But uh, we're definitely uh, disappointed to see defensively knowing points, turnovers, and explosives are at the top of our list and didn't play well in that area. Coach Quinn was also asked about the play of Vic Beasley. Well, he played mostly in the nickel package. We had about 40 snaps in nickel and, and maybe uh, you know 15 or 20 in our in our base package in this game. You know, outside we felt like uh, you know he had some pressure. He did some nice things. Um, as he went back all the way through the tape, he didn't affect the game enough. Um, the quarterback hits came from some other sides. One time he went high and created some other opportunities for other guys down low. So you know it didn't show up in, in the stat sheet way on some of the things of the work that he did. Well, hopefully Beasley and the rest of the foul. Falcons defense will step up this week against the Raiders. And speaking of Oakland, here's Coach Quinn about how his team will be prepared on Sunday. The good news for us, uh, we know it's going to be a loud environment and we'll get the crowd noise uh, cranked up here for our practice and work silent cadence. Uh, We've kind of planned on that. We've had some periods where we've already done that uh, through camp and even through practice last week just so we're getting real comfortable in those high pressure moments where it's all no huddle and use hand signals, use silent cadence. Uh, And then past that, we're going to execute like we can. And, uh, you know, to use the phrase, we're going to do what we do. We're going to execute better and do what we do better. And uh, we're looking forward to the challenge. they got some featured guys and uh, certainly some terrific guys offensively for us to match up at receiver and quarterback. Uh, they got a big, strong offensive line. Then defensively, uh, we knew some of the athletes who were there and uh, coached some of them. So I know firsthand how well they, they can play. All right. Should be an exciting game out in the Bay Area coming up. On Sunday, but Julio Jones has got to get back going. Uh, uh, like I said, he's been hampered by an ankle injury throughout camp in the beginning of the season. He caught four passes last Sunday for 66 yards and one score against Tampa Bay. Uh, he said this week that he's played through things and he caught 136 passes for just under 1,900 yards and eight touchdowns last season. He also said there's nothing that's going to hold me back from going out there and producing or do what I do. Uh, Raiders head coach Jack Del Rio, he's trying to figure out who can he have to match up with Jones. Del Rio said he's big, fast, strong. He's good with the ball in his hands. He's become a much better route runner. I think when he first came in, he was a little raw in that regard. But, man, he's become a really good route runner as well. I think he's a heck of a football player. So that's a good accolade coming from a good defensive-minded coach there. 
So the Raiders are coming off a win against New Orleans last week, and the Falcons, like I said, coming off a loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, the Falcons are trying to avoid starting the season 0-2. And if they start 0-2, it could really go downhill from there. Derek Carr's the matchup that I would be most concerned with. He passed for 319 yards in the win last week and saw the Raiders score 22 fourth-quarter points. And a third-year quarterback passed for just under 4,000 yards and 32 touchdowns last season. And, um, you know, he is really flying under the radar right now. So um, you got to get a pass rush from this guy. And the Falcons don't do that. Even though Matt Ryan passed for 334 yards last week and two touchdowns, it could be a long day. If Matt Ryan puts up some stats comparable to what happened against Tampa Bay and the Falcons took by with a loss, it's going to be some uh, second guessing, I'm sure, and a lot of um, questions that will need to be answered going into the next week's game. And, of course, that following week will be in New Orleans on Monday Night Football. So uh, first things first, Falcons go to Oakland this coming Sunday, 425, and uh, you can catch that game on CBS. It's Telemate Sports with Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. Of course, you can reach out to me anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at KevinTaylor98. All right, well, let's get into a little bit of college football as uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, they're getting ready to uh, face the Missouri Tigers this week, Saturday. Yes, they actually are going to be on the road taking on Missouri. It's the conference opener for the Bulldogs. And, you know, Georgia, I know Kirby Smart was not happy with his team's effort uh, with Nickel State. They jumped out to a lead and almost lost the game. Can you believe that? They only won by two. Yeah, they only won by two, a game that they really should have won. And uh, you can catch this game on the SEC Network coming up on Saturday. Georgia's 2-0, and right now 16th. You know, they were actually in the top 10 going into that game against Nickel State. But, uh, yeah, they've dropped out of the top 10 now. Kickoff will be at 7.30 Eastern. So uh, this should be a pretty good game. Missouri is is is, is going to be not a not a, a pushover by any means, but uh, the Bulldogs they escaped Nickel State and emerged uh, relatively, I guess you could say unscathed, but um, not probably unscathed from Coach Kirby Smart's wrath during the week. <laughs> but the Bulldogs won twenty six twenty four. The Bulldogs turned it over three times. And uh, the word was that they looked unfocused at times. Uh, it had to be a disappointing performance um, pretty much on all levels. Uh, Missouri is 1-1 one one after bouncing back from the opening week loss to West Virginia with a 61-21 blowout of Eastern Michigan. Now, Coach Barry Odom's Missouri Tigers, check this out. They got out to 647 yards of total offense in that game with quarterback Drew Locke throwing for 450 yards, 24 completions, and 37 attempts. Now, his backup, Marvin Sanders, connected on all three of his attempts for another 27 yards. Of course, he's averaging nine yards per attempt. Jacob Eason, he started and played the majority of the game against Nichols State. Uh, senior Grayson Lambert played just a, uh, just a few plays, but uh, Kirby Smart, you know, he's still playing this uh, back and forth 
with the uh, quarterbacks here. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to get the the nod as the season goes along, you know, because you can't really have consistency, in my opinion, with shuffling the quarterbacks. you got to have something, you know, to be able to have some type of consistency on offense. Jacob Eason, of course, is the bigger quarterback, the stronger arm, but you see a leader. That's the thing. Kirby Smart, I was able to uh, uh, get uh, some feed on his thoughts on Jacob Eason during his weekly SEC conference call, and here's what he had to say about his young quarterback. Yeah, you know, I think he's in a good place mentally. Jacob uh, had a couple misreads. He didn't look at the right thing first in the game, but, you know, he had some really good plays too. Um, he stayed in the pocket. He threw some good balls. Um, he, he's really at his best when he can uh, make those downfield throws and, and show some velocity on, on, on the throws. He handled the huddle much better than he did the previous game. So uh, not a, a not a lot of the woes offensively were his fault. Um, some of that was just an inability to run the ball and play with physical toughness that we need to play with. Um, he, he handled things much better than he did the first game, and we hope continues to show that kind of improvement as we move forward. I know it's still early in the season, and it's a work in progress, but Coach Smart talked about what he'd like for his team's overall identity to be. Anytime you look at an offensive identity, you want to be able to, number one, score points. That's the objective of the game. Okay? You also want to be able to uh, run the ball because in the SEC, teams that win the SEC championship, which is your ultimate goal, usually have the ability to run the ball. So it's important that you have somebody that understands how to run the ball and that you also can create situations in the passing game to make some explosive plays. And uh, that's what I looked for when I wanted to create an identity is a physical toughness that we can run the ball, but somebody that's also got good experience throwing it. And uh, that's what we look for in a coordinator, somebody that had SEC experience that could throw it, could run it, do both. You cannot be one-sided and win our league. You've got to be able to do both. And that's the critical factors that we look for. All right, this is Kirby Smart telling you about Jacob Eason and what he's looking for as the season goes on. So, like I said, I think it's going to be a good matchup between Georgia and Missouri coming up in Columbia on Saturday night. I think we have somebody on the phone that wants to uh, get in on TeleMade Sports. Uh, TeleMade Sports, hello. Hello, how are you? Hello. Hello, TeleMade. Hi, hi. Hi, how are you? Doing fine, and you? My name is George Decay. I love the show. Thank you. It's decay. Thank you. Woo, 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 woo. Lay and super gay. <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, disregard that. All right, <laughs> Craig Collins, boy, I tell you. All right, but uh, of course, any time you want to get in on Taylor Bay Sports. Uh, we're going to uh, disregard that call, all right? So uh, uh, we're going to uh, put that away, uh, far away uh, from this one. But if you want to get in on Taylor Sports anytime, you can call us at 425-292-4444. Again, that's 425-292-4444. All right, so we've got to do a better job with screening these calls here. But uh, anyway, we're going to move right along. You know, we're going to rebuke that. Rebuke that. <laughs> all right. Uh, Georgia Tech. They are going to uh, be facing uh, Vanderbilt uh, coming up on uh, Saturday. 
And, you know, this is going to be an interesting matchup as well. Um, I think Georgia Tech, they're just like with Georgia and Kirby Smart were saying, they're going to try to find their identity. Um, and Paul Johnson, I think he realizes that. You know, he's got a young team. He's got a team that really is trying to find their identity on defense as well as offense. Last season, you know, you had some new guys in new positions. You also had uh, some key injuries that were really affecting this team. This year, you've got a little bit more leadership, I think. But, you know, Paul Johnson is the type of coach where he's, what to put it mildly, he's never happy. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. Paul Johnson could have a, a, a great team on the field, but he's never happy. When have you ever seen Paul Johnson happy? If you're a Georgia Tech fan, have you ever really seen him to be that way? Mm, not really. No. <laughs> this is what I thought, right? But uh, Georgia Tech, they are going to uh, be facing Vanderbilt, and uh, this is going to be an interesting game here. No doubt about that. Vanderbilt comes into Atlanta, and uh, I, I think this is going to be a game that uh, Vanderbilt needs to have. Uh it's a, it's a game that Georgia Tech needs to have as well because Georgia Tech is not that far away from getting back to where they should be in top consideration with the ACC. If you have a few games here and there that they can win against top-tier teams in the ACC, you're back in this thing. You're being taken seriously. You're a, a top 25 program back on track. So this game will be on the ACC Network. Again, it's going to be in Atlanta on Saturday. Vanderbilt comes into this game at 1-1. One one. Tech is 2-0, and oh, and they're first in the ACC Coastal Division. Kickoff is at 12.30, and like I said, you can catch the game on the ACC Network. Uh, I think Tech will win this game, and uh, the quarterback play from Justin Thomas it's been pretty good. There's a quarterback rating of about 119, and uh, he's averaging about 100 yards passing per game. And uh, he has not turned the ball over. He's not thrown an interception. And I think that's key. Vanderbilt, we know at times uh, they can start off pretty well, but late in games is not the same. They're right now sixth in the Eastern Division of the SEC. And uh, if they lose this game, they haven't uh, really counted themselves out of SEC contention or it's too early for a bowl uh, contention. But at the same time, Vanderbilt is really not one of those teams that really can play from behind, I don't think. So if Georgia Tech can get out to an early start, a fast start, and a good start, it's going to be a long day for the Commodores. I think Georgia Tech wins this game at home for sure. So, like I said, this kickoff will be at 12.30 on Saturday at Bobby Dodd Stadium on the campus of Georgia Tech. It's Taylor Bay Sports with Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for being a part of the program. You can get in on the show anytime, as well as reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at KevinTaylor98. Again, that's KevinTaylor98. All right, moving on to Georgia State. They're taking on Wisconsin. And, boy, you talk about a a tough matchup. Wisconsin is in the top ten. They're ranked number nine in the country. Georgia State will be on 
national television on the Big Ten Network and the Big Ten Network 2. Georgia, Tech comes, uh, Georgia State comes into this game on to second in the Sunbelt Conference, though. Wisconsin, of course, is 2-0, first in the Big Ten. And um, this is going to be a, a a huge test for Georgia State. It really is. I mean, you can't really, for Georgia State, this program right now, you can't get any bigger than this. I mean, you can, but at this point, you you got to take care of business. And hopefully, hoping that Wisconsin is going to be having a bad day. Kickoff is at 12 noon, and um, hopefully it will not be a long day. Georgia State has some injuries going into this game, um, but uh, Georgia State is a big underdog in this game. Uh, Wisconsin actually recorded a 36th consecutive non-conference victory at Camp Randall, that's their stadium, with a 54-10 beatdown of Akron last week. And um, they didn't take a step back. Of course, they began the season standing number five at the time, LSU 16-14 in the season opener. That game, of course, was played at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. Uh, Senior running back Corey Clement said, we want to do that every week no matter where we're ranked. We have to approach every game as if we're not in the rankings at all. Um, the Badgers weren't even picked in the preseason poll to make much noise in the Big Ten. Uh, but Wisconsin gets a chance to, of course, validate their performance uh, when they, of course, take on Michigan State, who's ranked number 12. That game will be next week, followed by a trip to Michigan. So you can't look past Georgia State for sure. You can't do that because they've got some tough games coming up. But uh, I don't think that uh, Wisconsin will look past Georgia State. Um, but check this out. Georgia State is a 34-point underdog. You heard me right. 34-point underdog to Wisconsin. And uh, they're last among the 128 FBS teams in rush defense as they give up 395 yards per game. Ball State just ran up and down the field basically with them. Air Force kind of the same thing. Um, but uh, it's going to be a long day, I think, for Georgia State. Georgia State is still a young team. Identity is the name of the – the, it should be a cold name on this week's show for sure because they're still trying to find their identity as well. And Coach Trent Miles, during his Sunbelt Weekly media conference call, summed it up in this way about what is the formula right now for this young team. Take a listen. Work harder and get better. That's that's the that's the uh, the prescription that we were been given. Work work harder, get better. Work harder, get better. And of course, what better way to do that than against number nine, Wisconsin, this coming Saturday. So I think that uh, Georgia State, as they enter conference play in the Sun Belt, they will be working much harder to get much better. And, hey, this team got off to a slow start last year. And um, they picked it up, got into a bowl game. But this year is a little different. But at the same time, hopefully, Coach Miles and his staff can um, get the ship back on the right track uh, before it gets too late. Kickoff, like I said, is at 12 noon. And um, it's going to be a long day, I think, for the Panthers. But uh, hopefully they can maybe surprise someone with an upset. So we'll see. All right. We're going to shift gears now to golf. 
And the PGA Tour Championship begins in Atlanta at the East Lake Golf Club, Country Club. It's going to be coming up on Thursday, September 22nd. And the East Lake Golf Club is just over 7,000 yards, par 70. And um, it's, of course, the course where Bobby Jones learned the game and uh, the one-time home of the Atlanta Athletic Club. It dates back to 1908, and so it has a lot of history. The East Lake uh, Golf, uh, Golf Club hosted the 1950 U.S. Women's Amateur and 1963 Ryder Cup before the surrounding neighborhood began actually to uh, go down. But uh, it's been revamped, and um, it looks good right now. The Tour Championship came to Eastlake for the first time in 1998 and becoming the annual host in 2004. Now, the FedEx Cup winner will receive 2,000 points. So that's going to be great for whoever wins this particular tournament. And uh, the Eastlake Foundation, which was founded in 1995 to spearhead the revitalization of the neighborhood, like I was saying, surrounding the historic course, the uh, the foundation has actually uh, offset such projects such as the Charles R. Drew Charter School, Eastlake Family YMCA, and Charles Yates Golf Course, and um, it, it, it's 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 a it's a good area. If you have never been to the Eastlake Golf Club, make sure that you come on down this coming week because you will not be disappointed. Uh, the, in the field to watch will be the FedEx Cup leader Dustin Johnson who made the BMW Championship his third victory this year. And uh, number one player, Jason Dade, will headline the 30-man field. And, of course, it's going to be a $10 million season-ending bonus. Jordan Spieth also is back to the pin title he captured last year. Phil Mickelson is set for his 18th Tour Championship start. Uh, That, of course, is going to break a tie with Jim Furyk for most in history. Johnson, Spieth, and Mickelson are among eight members of the U.S. Ryder Cup roster who will tee it up at Eastlake while the Europeans will have but one representative, and that's Rory McIlroy. So uh, make sure that you come on out to the Eastlake Golf Club. And uh, just in case you can't make it out, you can check it out on television Thursday and Friday from 1 to 6 p.m. on the Golf Channel, Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon on the Golf Channel, noon to 3.30 p.m. on NBC, Sunday, noon to 1.30 on the Golf Channel, and 1.30 to 6 p.m. on Sunday as well on NBC. So uh, make sure that you uh, check it out. Also on Sirius XM, Thursday and Friday, noon to 6, uh, Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and Sunday, 1 to 6 p.m. on PGA Tour Radio on Sirius XM and PGAtour.com. So uh, the PGA Tour Championship begins on Thursday, September 24, right here. I'm sorry, September 22nd, September 22nd through September 25th, right here in Atlanta. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of Taylor Bay Sports with Kevin Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's program. Hey, we always have a good time, right? So make sure that you check me out again on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at KevinTaylor98. Have a great weekend, everybody, and, of course, never be discouraged, always encouraged. Until the next time, my friends, I'm out.